Welcome to the Money Over 50 podcast, brought to you by Dallas Davison and Michael Hogue from Money Over 50 Financial Advisors. This information is general in nature and does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Therefore, you should consider whether the information is appropriate for you and your personal circumstances. If you require personal advice, please contact Money Over 50 Financial Advisors. Here are your hosts, Dallas Davison and Michael Hogue. Welcome to Money Over 50. Today's topic, what if I retired and my superannuation fell 30%? Dallas, uh, we hear this this a lot. So, So people... It's a big fear, isn't it? It's it is a big, big fear. fear. It is the big fear. So, so people, you know, people talk to us. Um, we talk to them about their goals and objectives when we meet with them for the first time. Uh, we talk to them about a plan. Part of that plan is to own a diversified group of the great companies of Australia and the world. Not because we like volatility. It's because we have to have those it. companies, we have to have it to give us enough of a return um, in order to be be able to get to where we need to be in retirement, but more importantly, then for our money to make enough money during retirement that we can actually live off the rate of return and not eat into our capital too quickly. That's a, that's a good um, point to differentiate there. Those two timeframes, because what we find is that someone comes to see us at fifty five, they can understand that okay, I want to be fully invested now, leading up to retirement, because I want to work that money as hard as possible. I need my balance to grow as quickly mm-hmm. and as much as possible. And then when we talk about okay, well, when you are retired, leading up to retirement, you probably still need the vast majority of your money invested in these biggest and best companies in Australia and around the world. Invariably, that's the response. Is but but what happens if I retire and the day after I retire, my superannuation drops by thirty percent? And people say it in a particular type of way, and they say it exactly like that. What yeah. if I retire yeah. and the markets fall, or what if what if another GFC happens yeah. the day that I retire? Yeah, um, yeah. They they use those terminologies. So I thought it'd be interesting to go back and actually have a look at the data. If you're unlucky enough to retire on the day before the 1987 stock market, worldwide share market crash or stock market crash. Yeah. Um, Black Monday, they refer, it, refer to it as. I love these terminology. Yeah. That the, <laughs> it's fantastic. So imagine, I, I, I imagine like a, um, a journalist hall of fame somewhere and, um, <laughs> and all these journalists mingling these around <laughs> I, and one says, I actually coined the phrase Black Monday. Yeah. <laughs> and the other one says, I coined the phrase fiscal cliff. <laughs> and, even, uh, and you have all the global these. financial crisis, the GFC. <laughs> the GFC, I'm going to call this the global financial. It, 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 a great acronym. It rolls yeah. off the tongue. It sounds, you know, it, very. It, uh, it, it would be the journalistic, the financial journalistic hall of fame. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so, so if so you're unlucky enough to retire on uh, just before Black Monday, where the where the the markets fell by forty to fifty percent around the world, so you retired and you mar- and your and your superannuation fell by forty to fifty percent the following uh, week. Or a few days, and then again, I've looked at the global financial crisis. So, what if you're unlucky enough to retire uh, in November? And uh, November, November 2007. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, and and what I've picked again as the measuring stick is not where we are now. I've actually pictured. Sorry, I've 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 compared. Um, uh, 
taking that through to the bottom of the coronavirus lows, yep. which was so the top of a previous market to the bottom and, of and that's the March 2020 coronavirus lows. And that's, I think, a, a great, particularly the, and the reason these are the two big drops in the last sort of 40 years that mm. most people can sort of remember or, or know mm. about. Um, the, it, it, it's a great way to do it, to go from the top to the bottom because that's the big fear is, you know, if you look at the Black Monday example from October 1987, if someone was saying, I'm going to retire, company prices are going to drop by 40, 50% and I'm going to live and I'm going to live for, you know, just over 30 years. So the fear is I retire, my super balance drops by, 30, by 40%. I then live for, I live for 30 years and I die again. You know, assuming the worst case, you live for, live for 30 years and you die at the worst case of the bottom of the market earlier this year when, when the, the COVID panic was on. So, and that's, you, you literally couldn't set it up to be worse. No. So you kind of go from retiring at the, at, the very, at, the, at the very peak of the market and then passing away at the very bottom of the closest time after 30 years of retirement. Yeah. I've been, I've been very specific to pick, the the worst entry point yep. and the worst exit point. Yep. So like investing yep. or retiring just before the drop and then measuring again at, at the very bottom of the 2020 coronavirus panic. So here's the data. Now, first of all, I'm just going to tell you what I'm measuring here. Yep. So I'm measuring the total return of the S&P 500. It's America's largest 500 companies. Um, you may say, why are you measuring America's largest 500 companies? There's just more data on those companies, yep. so I can I can get it at my fingertips. Um, wh- what you get, without the risk of digressing, the, the a broad-based index such as the S&P ASX 200 uh, has, return, has performed very, very similar to the S&P 500. Um, any broad-based index in the world, yeah, they've all... Like, they, They've all performed similar to this, so yeah. And don't get bogged down too much no, on the detail. What I find in, to to elaborate a little bit on that, what I've found in sort of a bit of research in that is that in the short term they don't perform the same, but over the long term they, they, they generally do. do. Yeah. So yeah. you know, year to year, the Australian market and the international markets will be very different, but over 20, 30 year timeframes, you find that they're similar effectively. So, so here's the here's the data. So. Um, if I pick the 1st of October 1987 and bearing in mind Black Monday happened 19 days later, so I was almost at the top of the market. Yeah. So imagine imagine that you, you've retired on the 1st of October, you're sitting there, you've had three weeks off, you've probably done a bit of fishing, played a bit of golf and thinking, what am I going to do in this in this you know retirement of mine? And then you wake up one day and, and Black Monday hits. And it fell between 40 and 50%. <laughs> so in, 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 um, in actually, I think, I think I was how old was I then? Twelve, I think. Yeah. Um, I wasn't in the industry, of course, at that point in time. I think Black Monday it fell. It might have fallen forty percent in one day. No, nah, I think it was twenty seven. Twenty seven percent. Twenty six in one day. Fell forty percent in three days. I think it was. Yeah. Yep. Um, the 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 so you invested just before Black Monday, the eighty seven crash. Uh, and we measured again on the 1st of April 2020. So over a period of time of of just under 33 years. And what happened is your average rate of return per annum 
was 6.97%. Yeah. So investing at the – or measuring at precisely the worst entry point yeah. and the worst recent exit point, over that period of time, you still average 6.97% per annum by just – just riding out that volatility. Surely we can we can call it seven percent amongst friends, can't we? Surely? Let's call it seven percent. <laughs> officially six point nine seven percent. Yeah. And now now my source for this this is a really interesting website. It's called Political Calculations. Uh, so there will be a reference to that in the podcast show notes. So jump in there. You can you can actually it's really really interesting to search over different periods of time. You yeah. can. You can search where the S&P 500 was when you started work, for example, yep. when you were 18 and where it is now. So, there's some, some really interesting data in there. So, uh, more importantly, so the rate of return was 6.97%. Let's call it 7%. Let's round that up. Uh, inflation over that period of time averaged 2.49%. Let's call it 2.5%. Mm-hmm. So, inflation, things got more expensive by 2.5% per year. Uh, over that 33-year time frame, uh, you made close to seven percent on your on your um, on your return per annum. This is all per annum on average, uh, and you happen to go in at at what would be considered, I guess, without looking at the data, one of the worst periods of time to enter, yeah. and one of the worst periods of time to measure again. On the first of April, two thousand and twenty, which is very, very close to the bottom of the coronavirus lows. Yeah. So I think that that was interesting. I find that we often do that. You do a bit more, probably. When we do these podcasts, I tend to have philosophical things that I hmm. just pull out of thin air, and you do a lot more research in in some of these things. Often these numbers uh, surprise me, and the, and this, you know, it's the the podcast we just recorded previously about market returns over the calendar year that was sort of surprising to me this one was also surprising because i i knew that over a long time frame you start to get more consistency around returns so mm. over a one year time frame uh company prices fluctuate a lot it can be up 50 percent, down 50 percent, all those sorts of things and i know that if you spread that out to five years you start to you start to smooth that out so any five year period is a bit closer um to each other and then 10 years and 20 years and 30 years. And so I knew that over 30 years, most most of the returns over any 30-year period are fairly similar, but I didn't know they'd be this similar. So, you know, best case scenario, I don't, I don't actually even know. That's probably another topic for another day, but I'm guessing best case scenario over a 33-year time frame, returns might be 12, 13%, something well, it'll, like it'll that. Well, it'll be interesting. 12%. What yeah. if we do that? Yeah. We do best case scenario. See, see, the, see yeah. the difference? It's and probably less of a difference than you actually think. Yeah, and that, that's what I think what happens is that because we're looking at this year to year, you see those boom years and bust years, but over 30 years, you've got the boom and the bust built mm-hmm. into it. And that's, that's, that's right. kind of the, the point here that you're making is that if you, if you start at the worst point and leave at the worst point, you've, you've been in for 33 years. You're going yeah. to see the good times and the bad times and all the rest of it. Over that time frame, you've you've got a return of seven percent, and yep. so the worst everyone's worst fear, and it completely makes sense as to that's you know what if I retire and my super falls by 30, 40, 50 percent? Hmm. That's what happened. Now, if you could stay fully invested and you could and you could be the whole way through there, you still got a seven percent return over that over your yep. retirement time frame. So it's yeah that that was surprising for me those numbers. So second example, a more recent one, global financial crisis. 
And again, remember what we're measuring here. We're measuring the total return of the S&P 500, America's largest 500 companies. We haven't picked the best companies. We just said if we just bought a broadly diversified group of the largest 500 companies in America, if you hold international companies uh, in your superannuation fund or global companies in your superannuation fund, a lot of them are the S&P 500, those top 500 companies in America. Um, so you'd be familiar with those in some in some respect. So if you're unlucky enough to retire on the 1st of November 2007, uh, bearing in mind the global financial crisis started later in uh, that same month in November, the market started to fall they fell a total of 57%. So by March 2009, I remember this. I was in the industry at that point in time. Uh, I'll never forget these dates. So the, <laughs> the, 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 so between the 1st of November 2007 and March 2009, uh, total fall was about 57%. So you were sitting there um, yeah, 18 months later uh, uh, into your retirement thinking, yeah, I had a million dollars. I have four hundred and thirty thousand dollars. If I if I measure right now, yep. so where would you be sitting if uh, we measured again again at the bottom of the coronavirus two thousand and twenty, uh, or close to the bottom of the coronavirus on the first of April two thousand and twenty, um, going in at the worst period possible period of time, first of November two thousand seven, right before a fifty seven percent drop. Um, measuring again after a 37% drop in in 2020, you actually made a 5.75% rate of return yeah. over that period of time per annum. Yeah. This isn't a total return. This is no. a per annum average rate of return over yeah. that period of time. Your first 18 months was minus 57%. Yeah. And, and, you've ended up. and since then, you've ended up yeah. up on average 5.75% per annum. Including that drop. Over that, um, over that, uh, thir- it's 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 well 13. to the measure to the measure point. It's a little bit less than thirteen years. Yeah. Now, inflation ran lower during that period of time at one point six one percent. The real rate of return of these are very very similar. Yeah. So, the first example six point nine seven percent inflation ran at two and a half percent. The second example, the GFC example, you, you, you got slightly lower rate of return, nominal rate of return, 5.75% per annum. Inflation ran um, almost a full 1% lower than at 1.61%. Um, this bores the hell out of people, Dallas. <laughs> but we look at the real rate of return. Well, that's, that's, like, all you, that's what you can eat. Yeah. That's all you can eat is, is actual you know, purchasing power. So it doesn't matter. You know, to use extreme cases, you could get a thirty percent rate of return, but if inflation runs at thirty five percent, you've yeah, lost money. For you've the lost year. money, yeah. yeah. So, allow me to approximate the average over the last two big market crashes: nineteen eighty seven market crash and the global financial crisis. Is assuming that I was unlucky enough to invest at the top before the crash and measure again at the end point at very close to the bottom of the of the. Uh, the COVID-19 lows in March of 2020. Averaging that out of, over those two, I earn roughly 6% per annum in return if we average that out mm-hmm. and inflation ran at roughly 2%. So I still made a real rate of return of 4%. I, I, I improved my net worth by 4% per annum even though right at the start, uh, it would have seemed like the craziest thing in the world to do. Well, I was just thinking that imagine it, it's the... 
it's a really good example of the danger of, the, of a crystal ball. So if someone had said to you on the 1st of October as you, as you retired, your first day of retirement, yeah, I'm trying to think whether what's the analogy, crystal ball, fairy godmother, whatever the <laughs> theoretical creature is that someone says to you, hey, listen, I know you've just retired and you, you're going to live on your retirement savings for the next 33 years and I can also predict that you're going to die peacefully in your sleep at the 1st of April 2020. Now, beware though, what's going to happen is that in three weeks' time, the market is going to drop by 40, 50%. You know, in that first in that first six months of your of your retirement, you are going to see that 40, 50% drop. And then again, in you know, halfway through your retirement, you're going to see another drop of over 50%. Mm. So, you know, there you go, you've got that information for free. Even if you knew that information and someone told you that. Your instinct would be to panic. You would mm. go, "Well, I've got to get out. I can't be yep. invested throughout this. I, you know, I've, this is going to be terrible. It's going to wipe me out." Yeah. Even knowing all that, if you look at it over that thirty-three year time frame, you go, "So what you're telling me is that if I just forget about this and don't look at that for for the next thirty-three years, I'm going to get about a seven percent return yeah. over that time frame. And inflation, things are going to get two and a half percent more expensive." I'm going to grow my, my real uh, net worth over that time. You Basically, you shrug your shoulders and go, oh, well, that's, that's life. That's what happens. And I'm going to come to a conclusion here. And um, ASIC, you need to listen to the whole lot of this. Don't just <laughs> single out the f- – if you're playing this back to me in a court of law, just don't, don't play out the first sentence. It's the whole piece that needs to go together, so I'll preface it with that. Here's the conclusion. There is no long-term risk in holding the great companies of Australia and the world. Note the use of the verb holding. So in order to get that return, I actually had to hold these great companies and not panic because the average rate of return that people made is vastly lower than that. It would be in the negative because they panicked at the wrong time. So volatility does no harm. Reacting or relating to volatility does all the harm. So the the actual volatility is not harmful at all. People make it harmful. Human beings... um, who go in at the wrong time and get out at the wrong time and chop and change and all those types of things, they're the, one that, they're, they're the ones that actually uh, you know, make things harmful and, and do all the damage. So really the great companies of Australia and the world are not risky. People are risky. And again, we're not singling out the best companies here. We're just saying in this example, we're looking at the largest 500 companies in America. That's changed a lot over that period of time. There's yeah. companies in 1987 that were in that bundle of companies yeah. that had gone long broke. Yeah. yeah, They fell out yeah. of, of that 500. New companies moved up to take their place. And, and you know, with the risk of digressing, that's another reason why we advocate the use of index funds because yes. of the fact that, that just without you even knowing, as companies are exiting those 500, there's new companies moving up to take their place and you're actually order, automatically being, being swapped in those. into yeah. those companies. That's, that's a great point. And, and another point I'd just make um, in wrapping up here is that obviously if you are retired, you, you, have to, you can't just hold all of your assets forever. So what you are doing is living on some of that. Now, what you could – and, and it, it gets into um, – you have to go into far more detail to explain sequencing mm. return risks and, okay, well, if the market drops by 50% and you've had to take some money out to live on that year, you don't get to participate in that full recovery. But, again, we've done the numbers here and, and it's essentially that even living through those times, even allowing for that that little bit that you're taking out every year because that's, like, that's I think, the big thing for me is that 
if you if you retire and your balance drops by 40-50%, you don't need all that money in that year. You no. just need enough to live on for that year <coughs> and then you need uh, the price of those companies to recover over the long term and you need it just to recover enough for you to be able to take your income out next year and then the year after and the year after. So well, if, that's if a you, great example where yeah, you've you got 33 years, you need to pull out you need to pull out a bit of income every year for 33 years. You don't need it all in that first year. So if your total super balance drops by 40%, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter if that makes sense. Yeah, and part of any prudent retirement plan would be if you can afford to, yeah. you would actually have maybe 12 months worth of income requirements in cash yeah. and that's, that you're not going to earn any rate of return from really. Yes. Um, but it's there specifically for... Um, the Murphy's Law equation of the day that you retire, global financial crisis. Um, what, what's the next one going to be called? It's going to be great. Yeah, like, it's going to be fantastic. COVID, COVID-19 was, eh, yeah. should be called COVID-20. It happened in 2020, <laughs> not, not 2019. It's, yeah. it's really blah. Yeah. The journal, journalists need to actually lift their game, man. But, <laughs> whatever the um, next one is. Whatever that next drop is going to be, whatever that next panic is going to be, um, um, it's when, not if, of course. So... So, w- whenever that is, if you're retiring at that point in time, you know, days before or months before or just a year before that, that next drop happens, if you, can, if you can gather a war chest of 12 months worth of, yeah. of, of and that's, that's you know, income right. needs, that's then it's, it's a prudent thing to actually do. You, can, you, you look at the extreme. So, you look at, the, you know, you look at um, March 2009, for example. Yeah. So, with the depths of the global financial crisis, it was down 57%. If we measured again by June of 2010, so um, yeah, actually, months. sorry, June 2009, it recovered quite a lot yeah. uh, in that period of time, well, just in that I mean, three months. So. I mean, this year is a good example for us with, with our retired clients where, as you say, most of our clients who are fully retired now, we have some some small amount of, of their retirement savings is, is in cash yeah. and those sorts of things. And, and again, to touch on your point there, that's not because we want to, not because we think that they're going to get a great rate of return mm. on their term deposits or their bank accounts. We know they're not going to get that. All that is is so that then in in March, after company prices had dropped by thirty five percent, we basically could just ring all of our clients and say, "Hey, this is this is where we're at. All we're going to do is we're going to turn off the tap. We're going to stop." pulling any money we're going to stop selling down any of your companies we're going to stop pulling any money out of your australian and overseas companies we are just going to pull your income out of that cash bucket now Mm. and that's the way we think of it is those different buckets and so you go for some people they had a year or two or or whatever it is of of (coughs) cash or or of those sorts of uh, assets that they own that they own and whether that's through super in their own name it makes it easy because all this year even people who are fully retired they just sort of shrug their shoulders and go, well, whatever my super balance does is what it does. It's mm-hmm. I've got 50000 or 100000 or whatever of cash there. I know I can live on that for the next two years. Um, yep. Wherever we're recovered to at that point in time is where yep. we're at. And so this year has been a great case study of that because they started drawing out of their cash in February, March, mm-hmm. and within 12 months we've now recovered their, their super and their, their pension balances have now recovered to where they were before. So yep. we can now turn that tap off, turn the other tap back on and start to pull back out of, out of that. And they've actually had no, no impact at all. They haven't been forced to sell any shares at that point in time. So, and that's, as you say, that 
it's a part of a prudent plan. I like the, the three Ps there. The, the part of a prudent plan is to have some of that money in cash, but but we really need to bear in mind that if you're going to be retired for 33 years, like in this case, you need to be getting that 7% return for the majority, for the bulk of that money. It really needs to be working for you, even though we know there's going to be those big drops. In, in that case, there's been two of those 40, 50% drops. Yep. We know they're going to come, but we know we need that long-term 7%. We have to be fully invested in that way. We Look, might have a little bit of cash, but we don't want too much. There's just no alternative, is there? Because yeah. because even if you manage to save $2 million for your retirement savings, the current rate of return on bonds and term deposits and things like that is somewhere yeah. in the vicinity of half a percent yeah. well, per annum. So, that's, so that's the, you know, $2 million, you earn $10,000 of interest income, yeah. and most people in the first year – Within the first three years of someone's retiring, they've spent a quarter of a million dollars, generally speaking. So, you know, somewhere in the vicinity of, of um, $80,000 a year, a bit over $80,000 a year uh, that they take. Now, when you say to that to a retiree, a potential retiree, three years deep in your retirement, you would have spent a quarter, quarter of a million dollars from your superannuation. They can't believe it yeah. and until you break it down. Yeah. Um, so, obviously... If you're spending a quarter of a million dollars, but you're only getting ten thousand dollars in interest income uh, times three years, you get thirty thousand dollars in, and yeah. you get two hundred and fifty thousand dollars going out. You're going to plow through that two million dollars really, really quickly. So there's yeah. just no alternative for people. Yeah. yeah. Um, hey, the glass is half full. We're living a lot longer in retirement these yeah. days. We're living more active, healthy retirements. We can travel. Uh, all of those options are there. Um, with that comes the challenge, though, of funding that retirement, funding one's retirement. So um, uh, I say this only because people, I think, sometimes can be forgiven for thinking, what, why, why would you be in this thing at yeah. all if it's dropping 57% or dropping you know, 40% in three days? Um, why would you be anywhere near this? You'd stay away from it with a... Um, yeah, you wouldn't know, touch it with a 10-foot pole. Ten yes. foot, you, you wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot yeah, pole. Um, it's it's because there's just no other alternative. No, like there just right. there just really is no other alternative. You need to work your money. Your money needs to get dressed and go to work for you. And you know, he's he's cringing. Every, he's cringing. Every he cringes. We, we either have the the Roger Federer thing or the or the money getting dressed and going to work. I wonder if that'll some, be my. Uh, uh, I wonder if that'll be my those. quote, my legacy <laughs> quote one day and deep into the future. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that's right. But that's that's a yeah and. and the, I really like that that podcast that was again your your you led that about the the, the risk the shocking risk of term deposits and that's exactly mm-hmm. what we're talking about is that you know, if you were retiring on the first of October nineteen eighty seven and again you had your fairy godmother come and say you know what you're invested into is going to drop by forty fifty percent um, in in the first few months of your retirement and you went well bugger that I'm just going to move everything into cash. Mm. As you just said there, that that's no magic because three years later, in, in today's terms, you've taken out a quarter of a million dollars and you've still got thirty years to go. Mm. So what do you what do you do then? You know, it's it's not as easy as just going, Well, I'll just avoid the big drops because mm. the only way to avoid those big drops is to not be invested at all. And if you're not invested, you're missing out on that that long term seven percent return. Yep. Uh, pretty good place to wrap up, I think. So the source for the data here again. It's politicalcalculations.blogspot.com. Just Google political calculations. Of course, there'll be a link to that in the show notes. Uh, On-hand side of that page is a navigation bar. You can scroll down to 
the S and P at your f- uh, sorry the S and P five hundred at your fingertips, and you can yeah. have a. It's actually it's a great website that because you can you can play around with all sorts of different as you say different time frames. You can look at inflation. You can look at different indices, like all those sorts of things. So, yeah, uh, very interesting. And maybe this is probably one of those things where people are listening to this going, "You guys are real nerds. You got to get a life. This is not interesting at all." Well, it's, for it's, us, it is. <laughs> it's a it's a nerd's dream that website. It's <laughs> yeah. like, and, and, it, and it's obviously created by very creative nerds yeah, yeah. that have, have thought. What if we put all this data together and we pull this and compare this day? It, it is fantastic. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's probably a like you say to make these things tangible is the key here because it's easy for us to say, look, over a thirty-year time frame, you probably get around a seven percent rate of return. Whereas talking about it, is, imagine how that feels. Imagine that lived experience of that happening. You know, you retire three weeks later, your super balance starts to drop, and and that would not be pleasant. And as you said, we're not. We're not suggesting you should be invested in this way because it's fun. It's just that that's the only way to safely draw the income that you need at 30-plus year Mm. time frame. Yep. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Money Over 50 podcast with Money Over 50 Financial Advisors. We look forward to catching up again soon.